Blog Talk Radio. Man, it was real cool in school if we got good grades Like straight up A's, our parents would take us to a 76 game I got my game and there ain't no shame Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone Julius Server called Phileas home Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly But if you wanna make it on time to the show There's only one road that you really have to know So get to Fishtown without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95 Wanna get downtown but feeling the fix Get on that road they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of interstate. They ever made a better same thing with what they got the game. Hello, and welcome to the NBA Draft Lottery Edition of the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McManaman, a Metro Philly, alongside ESPN True Hoop writer Michael Kasky Blomain. As always, you know, you can add our podcast on the app Stitcher, and make sure to follow us here on Twitter at 76ers Report. And Mike, you know, we're a little older now. Our birthday is... Uh, have have uh, <laughs> transpired since our last show here. Um, you on Cinco de Mayo and me shortly after. Um, so how was uh, your birthday celebration? Hey Jeff. Well, uh, first of all, I got to say it feels good to be back on the uh, on the show with a new topic to talk about after a few weeks hiatus. But uh, you know, mm. I hope to I hope that we're both uh, older and wiser. I would say about uh, <laughs> my birthday pretty convenient to have uh have my birthday on Cinco de Mayo there's usually pretty much always something going on it's pretty easy to find uh find something going on but uh I hope yours was good as well and I hope you're ready to talk some fixes of course Uh, and you know what a gift we got um you know Tuesday night uh it wasn't the the one six eleven that was kind of the dream scenario that all Sixers fans in the area would have hoped to get but we came away with number three there. Um, and, you know, there, there's just so many possibilities there uh, with that third pick. Um, obviously, D'Angelo Russell, uh, I think we're both on board with him as uh, the Sixers' top option there, and we're really pulling for him to come through. Um, but, you know, what do you think of the, the options for the Sixers with that third pick? Yeah, I'm with you. Well, uh, I think the third pick is actually, you know, like you said, the one six eleven was that dream scenario. But I mean, going into it realistically, I mean, everyone knew that the odds were really low of that happening, and it was pretty unlikely. And um, you know, landing the three um, as opposed to you know, I was wrote uh, recently for Philadelphia last year. At the time, I was like, you know, I wanted them to land that top pick so bad because I wanted Wiggins, and I didn't want there to be any you know, any possibility for them to get snagged up before they picked. Uh, this year I felt, kind of felt differently. It almost feels like there's a little less pressure on them at the number three spot. You know, um, a lot of people are assuming that the two big guys coming out, uh, you know, Okafor and Carl Anthony Towns will both be selected one and two in some order before the Sixers even pick, which, um, you know, that's honestly a relief, I feel like, to a lot of fans with, you know, Embiid and Noel already in tow. It would be, a, you know, they'd be facing more of an interesting decision if they had the first pick and they'd pick of any of those guys. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of the mock drafts, you know, the early mock drafts out so far have those guys going one and two, 
And then, as you mentioned, uh, D'Angelo Russell coming to the Sixers, which, you know, that would be my uh, my preference at this point. Uh, if I, you know, if I could pick, I would like to see that happen. I think he would make a, you know, a nice fit on the team. There's, you know, obviously a couple other intriguing options at that spot. Um, you know, people have been talking out talking about Emmanuel Moutier, um, kind of like the, the mystery man this year in a similar way to how uh, Dante Exum was last year where people, you know, just really haven't seen him play quite as much as some of the college guys. Um, Justice Winslow, I think, helped himself out in the tournament, moving up the, uh, the board to probably be maybe the top wing prospect in the draft, which is another position that the Sixers need to address eventually. So, I mean, I think there are some options. And at, at number three, they'll have the opportunity to just take, you know, who – who follows them as far as who they think is the best fit, kind of, you know, without the pressure of that first pick. Yeah, and, you know, in our, in our most recent post on Philadelphia, just kind of talking about our reaction to, to that initial number three pick um, coming over, um, you know, I, I mentioned how, you know, it, it kind of worries me that I don't really know what the Lakers are, are trying to do there with the second pick and, you know, it, it even scares me even more today um, seeing my brother's uh, tweet that went out saying that they're not sold yet on the idea of bringing in, you know, either Towns or uh, Okafor, whoever falls to them with that the number two pick. They might actually, you know, look towards one of those top guards in Russell or Moutier. Um, so, you know, is that kind of um, concerning to you, just knowing that uh, – the Lakers could potentially, you know, steal Russell um, before the Sixers have the opportunity to get him there. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, it, it's really hard to tell. You know, you mentioned that tweet from your brother, um, Dave. It, it's kind of hard to tell exactly what the Lakers have in mind. I mean, you would think uh, that they would go big. You know, the team has had success and built their dynasties in the past through big guys, you know, whether it be Kareem or Shaq more recently, and then Gasol and Bynum. Um, you know, it's, it's an organization that's really been built on big guys. And, you know, they got Julius Randle last year. You think maybe they'd take either Okafor or Towns to kind of pair with him in, the, in that front court and then have that established. But, um, you know, also they they could use a point guard. And, and Russell, to me, I mean, he's not the only option or potential target for the Sixers. He just, you know, at this early stage, there's still mm-hmm. a month before the draft, things could change. At this early stage, um you know, I think you, you and me are both in agreement. He just feels like the best fit and the, uh, you know, the most obvious choice for the Sixers. Seems like he he wants to be here. He's been on record saying, you know, he would he'd be happy to play for Philly. Um, you know, his skill set, he's quick and athletic. He can shoot and pass. It seems like he would fit in, you know, on the floor really well next to an Embiid and, and Noel down in the post. And, uh, you know, it just seems like he would be the, the most logical fit there. But, um, you know, it would be, so in that regard, it would be disappointing if, the, you know, the Lakers switched it up and decided to use the second pick on him. But that's not to say that he would be the only option or, like, the only player that could come in and, you know, help the Sixers this coming season. Yeah, I, I mean, he's he's got a 6'5 frame, um, just incredible shooting ability. Um, I wouldn't say he's, uh, you know, the, the most athletic player. You know, I, I think Moutier beats him there in terms of athleticism, but he's really deceivingly quick in, in the half court. Um, you know, he kind of reminds me of like a young Andre Miller where he was never the fastest point guard, but um, he was really crafty. He would use his size to, to post up players on offense. Um, obviously, 
his shooting ability is much, much better than that. But, um, you know, what, what do you think of just his overall uh, skill set at the point guard position? Yeah, uh, Jeff, you said it. Uh, Andre Miller is an, an interesting comparison, a guy that really was kind of well-rounded. Uh, you know, and I, I agree with you there. Um, obviously, his ability ability to shoot, um, you know, is, is really intriguing uh, at, at a high level. You know, we saw that on a small scale um, this past year toward the end after the trade deadline when we had, you know, Isaiah Cannon in there for a while as a guy that could, you know, spread the floor with the shot, and you could see how he was able to have an impact offensively. And then you think about that skill combined with, as you said, you know, a 6'5 frame with, with the ability to go in the post and the athleticism. Um, you know, he's it's pretty good defensive already. Already, He has the athleticism to get better. And, uh, you know, like you said, I really think that his his skill set is just a, a great match for what the Sixers, you know, it's hard to say what they need at this point. And, you know, it's hard to say that a team with 19, 18 wins and no real team players to build around has a specific need, but it does seem that his skill set would fit, um, you know, fit pretty well into what they've got going on at this point. Yeah, and, you know, outside of this draft lottery, a lot of other things surrounding the team has happened. Um, you know, u- new uniforms um, potentially coming over. Um, you know, uh, we might have gotten a preview there on uh, – the draft lottery night with Maryland's Noel, um, the jerseys inside of the suit jacket, and, um, you know, the new logos as well. Uh, have you gotten a chance to see all of these, and uh, what do you think of them? Yeah, it's really been a, a busy summer so far for the Sixers, and I think that the draft hasn't even came here, free agency hasn't even started yet. But, uh you know, yeah, I did see, I saw the logos, and I, of course, you know, I saw the inside of Maryland's jacket the other day. And, uh, you know, from what I've seen so far with the logos and, the, you know, the copy of the jersey, I, you know, I'm a fan of it. I was sort of skeptical, you know, initially going in when they announced the rebranding new logos because, you know, I think you're in agreement with me that, you know, the Sixers logo, the one they've been using, is just, you know, it's a classic logo, and you don't want to see it, you know, changed or altered too much. They tried, you know, they they went in a different direction during that Iverson era with that new, you know, the star logo that, you know, it had its time, but that was about it. And then they had to go back to the roots. And uh, after seeing the new logos, you know, I think they did a pretty good job of keeping it, you know, keeping the tradition, the history, and just adding a little bit new, like modern touch, but nothing too crazy. So uh, same with the jersey. I like seeing that, you know, it looks like they're bringing Philo back on the front of it. And uh, there's supposedly stars down the side, which should be, yeah, I think that'll look really nice. So, uh, so far, so good on the uh, the rebrand. I could say that I'm a fan of it. Uh, what about you? Yeah, you know, I'm definitely a fan. Um, uh, some people, you know, could say that they may be copied off of the Brooklyn Nets a little bit. Uh, they they could have copied off of the Union a little bit with that uh, the Philadelphia on top with the stars on the bottom. But I, I think overall, you know, it's their own identity. And, um, you know, the, those kind of round logos seem to be the the new theme that a lot of teams are going with in the NBA. And, it, you know, it's very sleek. I, I think uh, all the changes they made there were great. Um, I'm glad that Ball and Ben has his own logo now. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with that. Um and yeah, in terms of the the jerseys that we saw on lottery night, um, yeah, I, I really like that that filla atop the across the top. I mean, 
it brings you back to the the Wilt Chamberlain era with uh, yeah. with those jerseys. So um, I really like you know the the overall just kind of rebranding the Sixers have done to go back to their roots. And um, you know I'm really excited to see you know the new product when they they finally release that new jersey design. Um, but yeah, you know going back to just kind of uh, draft previewing here. Um, so, you know, D'Angelo Russell, we saw a picture of him in Nerlens hanging out. Um, you know, he obviously went to uh, high school at Monteverde in Florida with Joel Embiid, I think his, uh, his sophomore year, um, freshman or sophomore year. And, um, you know, he, he seems to have already somewhat of a relationship with those guys. Um, I, I believe it was uh, the Sixers sense who posted today that um, they, they saw on Instagram him liking a lot of pictures with him in a Sixers uniform, but, um, you know, other teams, he, he wasn't really too thrilled to, you know, see that picture, whether it be the Knicks or the Kings, uh, whatever it may be. So what do you think uh, Russell's, you know, excitement level is right now in the potential of joining, you know, uh, Noel and Embiid in Philly. Yeah, he seems uh, genuinely interested in joining the Sixers. As a, you know, as from a fan perspective, I try not to buy too much into uh, where a player says he would like to play before a draft. I remember uh, specifically a report that came out. I think it was uh, from Keith Pompey of the Inquirer last year before the draft that. Uh, Andrew Wiggins' camp had leaked that Philadelphia was, you know, their top destination, and that was the team that he wanted to play for. And, uh, you know, I let myself get a little bit excited and then had my heart broken on draft night. So, you know, you have to take anything like that with a grain of salt. But, um, you know, he, he, like you said, he Instagrammed that picture of himself with Merlins, and when he was asked about it, he said, you know, that they're basically friends and that's his boy and they like to hang out, which is you know, obviously a good start for a player that's just coming in the league. And then he has that, the same connection or, you know, the, the high school connection that you mentioned with Joel from uh, down there. And, uh, you know, so it just seems like there's already a solid base and a uh, foundation for Russell with the Sixers and with guys that he's comfortable with and knows and would also happen to complement very well on the court, you know, to, to big guys like Nerlens and Joel that would benefit from, not only the playmaking ability of Russell, but the ability of him to space the floor and open up the paint for them. So, I mean, you know, like we said, all, all signs point to Russell being a great fit with the team, him wanting to come here and him being the guy. And, you know, it'll eventually just shake down to, uh, you know, what happens on draft night. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, in terms of what happens on draft night, um, if Russell is gone, you know, we talked about Moutier. Uh, we talked about uh, the possibility of maybe bringing in Justice Winslow. Another guy on a lot of people's radar seems to be Mar- Mario Hazonia, um, who's, you know, currently overseas playing. Um, have you gotten the chance to see him play, Mike? And what are your thoughts on, you know, his gameplay? You know, I have seen him play, Jeff, but I don't want to pretend to be some sort of expert. What I've seen has been me just uh, studying, you know, like YouTube and uh, Draft Express clips. You know, he seems impressive. I like his size. I think they list him at right around 6'9 as a, you know, a guards forward combination. 
Um, you know, he obviously he can shoot a little bit, uh, uh, dribble, rebound. You know, he seems like a well-rounded player. Uh, you know, with me, it just comes down to Hinky and the team. They've seen him play in person, you know, a lot more than I have. And if they thought really that he was the right guy that would fit for them, um, you know, then I would have faith that they would do that. Uh, for me personally, it would be a little bit more difficult to sign off on him over a guy, say, like Justice Winslow, that I was able to see um, develop and could, you know, imagine plugging directly into the lineup. But, uh, you know, Hazonia seems like an interesting prospect, and from everything I've read, he could certainly be in play for the Sixers at three, especially if Russell ends up getting smashed by the Lakers at two. Yeah, and, you know, my thinking here is, um, you know, you take the best player available. If Hazonia is that guy in Hinky's mind, you know, I, I'm going to trust what, what Sam does there. Uh, you know, I've gotten a chance to see um, just some of the videos on, on Draft Express and YouTube, um, and he definitely has that, that outside shooting. Um, so if you're looking for a guy to space the floor and Russell's gone, you know, I, I think he's the best of that guard group left there, wing group left there in terms of shooting the ball. Um, I don't like the fact that playing shooting guard – um, at six eight, so obviously you got to push him to small forward, or that's the uh, the most likely scenario, I guess, that would play itself out. Um, you know, from what I've seen in in footage, he kind of has that like uh, left jump step to find himself an open shot. It, it doesn't really seem like he has too many, um, you know, dribbling ability to uh, get himself open for shots. I mean, he's super athletic. Um, he can really run the court well. And I think there there's something to be said about um, defensive potential um, when you're just 6'8 at the wing spot and, um, you know, that athletic. But, yeah, like you were saying, you can't really put too much, uh, you know, value into an international guy like that um, that that's a, the case. You have to just kind of let Hinky do his magic there. Um, he will have the ultimate evaluation of what he thinks he is as a player. And, you know, all, all we can really judge right now is, you know, we've seen the, the um, Justice Winslow's and um, D'Angelo Russell's play. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier, not so much, um, but he's another guy that, Apparently, Sam was the only GM that got to see him play. Um, so it should be interesting. You know, you, you think of Sam constantly being so busy, uh, you know, managing this team and making trades or, or pickups every other day, it seems like, during the season. Um, but apparently he has, you know, a ton of other time to do scouting, which, uh, you know, is what you really have to do as a GM. Um so, you know, do you fully trust Sam to really make the right decision um, when draft night comes up? I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, a report like the one that came out the other day about him being the only GM to see Moutier play in China in person is what gives me faith in Hinky at this point. 
Um, he hasn't done anything up to this point, especially looking back, that I, you know, wouldn't at least consider. You know, there's no move that he he could he's made to this point that you could point to and be like, you know, this doesn't make sense. It's looking at it from both sides. He's done nothing but you know clear clear space, cap space for the team, and all the moves he's made, even if they don't pan out, he's you know not putting the team in a hole down the road by signing some of these guys the contracts. So at this point, you know, from a fan perspective. What do you really have but to, you know, put your faith in him? He's the guy that we're riding with at this point. And, uh, you know, I really think over the next season or two is when, you know, the quote-unquote plan is really going to start to take form and a lot of these guys are going to, you know, show what they can be, whether it be stars or not. But, um, you know, with starting the summer with the uh, the return, of, or not the return, but the uh, addition of Embiid and whoever they pick at three, um, you know, followed by the potential addition of uh, – Sarik next summer with that Lakers pick is going to be some talent coming in and uh, you know I think the team is really going to start to take shape so you know at this point I think you and me are both in agreement that we really have no choice but to just put you know put the faith in plan in the plan and in Sam um, how do you feel about that? Yeah I, I mean just kind of have to believe in in what Sam has done here um, there were times early on where you know, both of us, you know, almost the entire Philadelphia area was really questioning Sam's plan. But, um, you know, I, I told you I was fully on board um, once he traded Michael Carter-Williams away. And, you know, you got to like your chances here with Embiid and Noel, um, the number three pick, and the potential at four first-rounders in next season's draft. So, um, there's just so much to build around. And that's without even talking about, you know, Robert Covington or Jeremy Grant or Jordan McRae, just, you know, guys that still have a ton of potential to grow into just, you know, great players in this league. So, um, you know, you, you got to like the chances and you just got to believe Hanky in this scenario. Um, but, you know, once again, this is the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Kasky Blumain. And, um, you know, reported a couple weeks ago now, I guess, um, Scott O'Neill said that Joel Embiid will indeed play in the Las Vegas Summer League. Um, you know, how excited are you to, to finally see JoJo take the court and um, really show you what he can do and how he can change this offense? Yeah, I mean, pretty excited at this point in the rebuild. Joel is like, you know, he's a big prize. He's the guy he, he would have been first in that, you know, uh, highly hyped draft class last year had he not injured himself the week before the draft. And, uh, you know, there's so much at this point hinges on um, on him and his health and his ability to be a game changer out there for the Sixers. Um, you know, you read some of the columnists, in Philadelphia today and over the past couple of days since the lottery came out and the Sixers whiffed on the uh, the one six eleven, They're writing it as though, you know, landing at three is a failure and as though tanking isn't worth it. And I think, uh, you know, a big reason of that is because there's still so much unknown. I feel like, you know, if the Sixers had landed Wiggins in that draft last year and he played this past season and, you know, dem- as he did in Minnesota, demonstrated that he could be a potential great player down the line, and I think a lot of those questions and a lot of these columns that are coming out asking or saying tanking hasn't been worth it wouldn't exist. I think a lot of that is solely based on the fact that, 
you know, MB is the what so much of the is, the whole rebuild is based around is still a question mark. And I think you know it'll just be great to finally get him out on the court and see. It was so such a tease that you know toward the second half of this year to see him out on the court pregame, uh, you know, shooting shooting three, shooting step backs and turnarounds, and you know just showing off his touch and at, toward the very end going on light one on one against the guys. You know, it was just. It was, you know, you just wanted to actually get to see his full potential. And, uh, you know, it's finally, Summer League will be a great platform for him as it was for Noel last year. I think Noel really benefited from, uh, you know, getting his feet wet in the Summer League and getting used to NBA play on that level before actually, the, you know, getting ready in the real games. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, as you said, just excited, I guess, to see Joel finally get out there. What are you feeling about it? Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna mark it on this podcast uh, by saying that I think the Sixers summer league is gonna get better ratings than the Phillies have this season. <laughs> I, I, I think that people are gonna be so excited to see Embiid finally take the court, and yeah, I, I mean it was very exciting to see Noel um, in, in last year's summer league. But this is just a whole other level. Um, you know, this is the guy the franchise is really banking on to become the, the face of the franchise, to become, you know, that, that next superstar, to become, you know, the the Tim Duncan that can really take this team to, you know, an NBA Finals down the road. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be just great to watch, you know, every step of the way see him grow uh, much like we got to see Nerlens grow and you know it I really want Nerlens to be able to play alongside him in summer league but you know if I have to wait a little bit that's fine um you know it it's no rush either way I'd rather Nerlens you know bulk up a little bit this summer and work on more of that kind of thing than you know possibly get into a situation where, you know, he could get injured or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I'm ecstatic. I, I can't wait to see him take the court. Um, and I also, you know, kind of want to see how Brett Brown changes the offense um, to really focus around Embiid being the centerpiece. So um, there's, you know, a lot to be excited about there. Um one interesting thing that I, I read today, I believe it came out by uh, CSNPhilly.com. Um, they were saying, you know, do you feel like Sam Hinkie kind of based his his whole plan um, on the fact that by the time LeBron James is on his decline as a player, um, the Sixers will be on the rise and they might be able to you know, be that next team out of the East to to get to a finals now that you don't really have to go through LeBron as much. <laughs> I hadn't even actually considered that. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting point, and uh, I would love to have someone ask Sam that himself and hear, you know, hear his response to that. Um, my guess would be, I don't know if he, he constructed something I don't know if you constructed that with specifically LeBron's decline, like LeBron James specifically his decline in mind. I'm sure he kind of surveyed the landscape of the league and especially the Eastern Conference and, uh, you know, considering the CBA, the new CBA coming up and stuff, and could kind of see that maybe 
there was an opportunity in a couple of years down the road, you know, not in the immediate, immediate future as in this past couple of seasons, you know, they weren't going to build a team up that quickly that could contend with some of the already established teams like the Heat last year and, you know, the Pacers of last year and the Bulls, the teams in the East that had already been established. But, you know, I think there's a good chance he took took a look at the current state and surveyed what it could be like a couple of years down the road and saw that, you know, um, you know, a lot of these teams are going to be splitting up. And like you said, we mentioned with LeBron and some other players are going to be on the way down. There's going to be an expanding CBA. And I think he probably saw just a lot of opportunity for, a, you know, a team to build a new, you know, not, not, not dynasty, but a new, like, uh, upcoming power in the, in the East. And I feel, you know, he's certainly probably based some of his moves on trying to turn the Sixers into that, into that. Um, you know, and I think a lot there was no rush necessarily in a lot of the things that he did. Um, great example would be that the uh, Michael Carter Williams trade. He's probably the team's most well known player and you trade him for no immediate payoff and not even a payoff now it's come out that we're not gonna get it till at least next year. But uh, you know, that kind of sets up a steady stream of talent coming into the team over the next few years. Um, you know, so you combine with the team, the talent that's already on the team and developing with the incoming talent and then combine that with the uh, the cap space the team has acquired. I think there's a, several facets um, into building the team that have, you know, he's looked down the road into the future and has based the uh, rebuild on that and he's put the team in, in the right direction, I'll say, and uh, to do just that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing uh, when you think back to just everything Sam Hinkie's done um, to, you know, gather all the assets in the time of general manager and whether or not, you know, it, it has to do with LeBron James's, uh, you know, eventual decline or not. Um, you know, it's pretty amazing that you can have a guy like Dario Saric, you know, stashed away here uh, coming next year. And it, it almost feels like every year they're having this, this new rookie coming over to, to help this team, whether it may be Maryland's Noel this past year, Joel Embiid in this upcoming year. Um, so you got to like, you know, just uh, what Hinky's done here in terms of just building as many assets as he can, um, hoping one, one sticks and becomes that star. And, you know, we're, we're all kind of hoping uh, D'Angelo Russell, at, at least this podcast, we're hoping, you know, Russell, can eventually come over with that number three pick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, moving on um, from just, uh, you know, this this draft talk, um, you know, a lot of NBA playoffs action, um, a lot over this Memorial Day weekend here. Um, you know, what did you uh, like out of that, you know, Hawks and Cavs series um, as well as the, the Rockets, um, you know, against Golden State? Yeah, well, I mean, they haven't been, uh, you know, I don't think those two series have been quite as, you know, close or entertaining as people hoped. Um, you know, they were both 3-0. The Rockets managed to squeak one out last night on the heels of James Harden putting up, I think he finished with 45. But uh, honestly, I mean, it seems to me like the Warriors and Cavs at this point are just pretty much destined to meet in the finals, which to me is pretty exciting. I mean, obviously, I don't have a dog in the fight with the Sixers, not in the playoffs, but... You know, with that matchup, at least, that's two teams. Neither of those teams have won a title, you know, that I've seen since I've been alive. Um, it's always cool to see, you know, a new team coming out. And, you know, for the NBA's sake, it, it'll be great, too, to have, you know, two of their marquee stars and, you know, this year's MVP and Steph Curry and 
of course, you know, LeBron, the, the league's biggest star, going head-to-head. So, you know, well, these the conference finals have been a little disappointing, but um, Cavs will be looking to sweep it tonight. Uh, you know, I think as just basketball fans in general, regardless of if you actually have a rooting interest in the series, I think everyone can look forward to the, uh, you know, finals matchup between the Cavs and the Warriors. What are your thoughts on the uh, on the playoffs so far? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be between the team that, that started off the hottest in the NBA and then the team who ended the season the hottest in the NBA. Um, you know, I, these two teams definitely deserve, um, you know, to be there on the biggest stage uh, this season. You know, it, it kind of seems like the Cavs definitely had the easier road um, to get to the finals and, um, you know, just the un- unfortunate injury to uh, Kyle Korver um, for the Hawks, um, you know, Deladova rolling over his ankle there. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just, um, you know, the, the Cavs have put together an incredible run, and usually the teams who end the season um, with that run are the ones to, you know, win the trophy. But with the Cavs and how banged up they are uh, with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, um, and, you know, even LeBron James coming out and, and saying how, you know, banged up he is. Um, you know, I, I feel like the Warriors at this point would have to be the favorites. Um, but, yeah, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, the, the potential winner there in that, that finals matchup? Yeah, I agree with you that I think heading into the series, I think the Warriors would have to be the favorite just, you know, based on their depth and you know, all around, um, uh, you know, they're pretty much covered at every position. Like you mentioned, the Cavs are a little banged up. You saw LeBron, you know, really struggling through injuries in that last game um, and obviously missing Kevin Love. And uh, that matchup will be interesting because it will really be two contrasting styles of play. Um, you know, where the, the Warriors are really like an open-court run-and-gun team that obviously relies a lot on, you know, spreading the floor, shooting threes, getting up and down, where the Cavs are more of a, you know, like a stereotypical LeBron team that does, you know, they can run in the, the open court, but they also get a lot through him at the top of the key or down in the post and, you know, running the offense through him in a half-court setting. So, uh, I, you know, I think whatever team can kind of control the tempo, you know, if the Cavs can kind of slow it down a little bit, I think that that will give them the advantage um, it's really tough to pick. If it if it comes down to that, I think I would eventually say the, I think the, the Warriors would have the edge in probably six or seven games. And uh, yeah, so I'm on record. I'm, I think the Warriors would be my pick. But uh, do you think if the Cavs pull it off, they should send uh, Phil Jackson a complimentary championship ring for uh, you know the J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert move because that's basically you know reju- that's rejuvenated the Cavs title chance and they. You know, they looked dead in the water for a while. Then the addition of Mozgov plus those two guys from the Knicks, and, you know, they've really played a huge part. Shumper stepped up on D and J.R. Smith just, you know, doing what J.R. Smith does and just shooting threes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've been incredible, haven't they? Um, you know, uh, I'm on Shumpert from a defensive standpoint has completely changed, you know, the, this team's chemistry in the second half of the season. Obviously, Mozgov, another big part of that. And the unsung hero so far of the playoffs, um, Tristan Thompson, just, you know, a force to be reckoned with on the offensive boards. Uh, I think Thomas Robinson should take a look at him when, when he's, uh, you know, studying the, the rebounding techniques in the off season. But, um, yeah, it's just been 
um, a great, great thing to see just these two teams um, just really have a very pretty offense, pretty defense, um, very team-oriented basketball. And I saw an interesting stat today. Uh, when you're looking at a team to, to really model your game off of, you, you want to look at these teams, you know, head into the finals. And I saw that, you know, the four teams left were all in the top five in terms of three-point field goals made uh, this season. Um, so if you're the Sixers and you're Sam Hinkie, you're looking at these numbers. You know, you're you're trying to decide – hey, you know, this is the way in today's NBA to win basketball games. Um, You know, to to add that outside shooting at every position. Um, You know, even Joel Embiid, Brett Brown has been quoted as saying he thinks he might be the best shooter on the team at the center positions. Um, When you're looking at just the potential for the Sixers to, you know, reach that, that platform in the future, uh, I think it's a, a good thing to look back and and see what these teams ahead of you are doing right, and maybe not copying, but you know taking parts of their game and incorporating it into you know your game plan. Um, but you know, what do you think of of them as just being models for the Sixers? Yeah, I absolutely agree with uh, with what you were saying, and as far as you know, not necessarily copying the scheme, you know, bit by bit, but more so like adapting certain aspects of it to fit your team. And I think the Sixers have honestly already begun to do that. Uh, I think that starts with bringing over a guy like Brett Brown from an established system such as San Antonio, um, you know, the, a team that looks to spread the floor and shoot threes, which was a big contrast from the way the Sixers, Sixers played before Brett came here. And uh, that stat that you that you mentioned about the four remaining teams all being within the top five in the league in three point shooting, uh, that's huge. I think that's uh, is very representative of the direction that the style of play, you know, across the league is going. There's very few teams that can find success at this point without having, you know, not only one or two three like three point shooters on the team, but multiple guys that have the ability to you know, from multiple guys from multiple positions that have the ability to stretch the floor, um, you know, like you you mentioned, all the way out to the center position. With, you know, teams like the Spurs that have guys like Boris Diawar, you know, that can play the five and shoot the three at the same time. And when, uh, you know, that's, we've seen that with Joel, as you mentioned, uh, Brett Brown saying that he might be the best shooter on the team. Uh, you know, I think a lot of fans got to see a little bit of that in the, uh, you know, his pregame workouts when he'd be shooting, you know, jumpers and three-pointers and stuff. Um, so I think it is a, a great model for the Sixers to follow, um, you know, as far as, you know, a team like the Warriors. Maybe not necessarily the Cav- the Cavaliers as much as the team like the Warriors where the Cavs is, you know, so specifically based on the specific skill set of a, of a LeBron James and a Kyrie Irving. But um, in general, t- you know, the three-point shooting, floor spacing, I think is just, you know, it's, it's just starting to take hold of the league. I think it will continue to develop, and it's definitely – the direction in which the league is going and, you know, a direction with which the Sixers should look to model themselves and build up as they're continuing this rebuild here with Sam. So you said you think the Warriors are going to win. How many games? Yeah, I think so. How many games uh, would you say in that series? You know, I'm going to be optimistic from a basketball fan's perspective. I'm going to say the series goes seven games. 
Uh, and, you know, I think the Warriors pull it out at, at home uh, in Game 7 in front of the Golden State crowd and finally, you know, give them a title that they've been waiting for. And, you know, I don't know how far you have to go back in terms of Game 7s game in the NBA Finals. Um, I feel like it's been a, a little while now. So I'm going to say the Warriors in six. Um, you know, I, I think that they'll set the tone in the first two games and then – you know, uh, the Cavs might might take one at home, and then uh, they'll close it out. But um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I think it'll be uh, a good series, nonetheless. Uh, especially if Kyrie Irving comes back, you know, pretty healthy in that in that series. Um, you know, I, I think that him versus Steph Curry will just be an incredible matchup. Um, you know, Draymond Green guarding LeBron, that'll be, you know, something to watch as well. Um, or Andre Godala, you know, <laughs> in stretches. Um, you know, he he's definitely guarded them well over the years um, with the Sixers. Um, you know, obviously it's hard to stop him, but if you can slow him down a little bit, um, you know, that that's all you can ask for. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a Memorial Day just passed. Um, you know, how how was your weekend, Mike? I can't complain. I'm a, a little sunburned, actually, as we speak. Spent a lot of time out on a, on the lake yesterday without proper uh, sunscreen. I'm paying for it today, but, you know, for the unofficial start of the summer, it feels pretty good. Now I'm just counting down to the NBA draft. How was your uh, Memorial weekend, Jeff? Yeah, I went, went down to Ocean City, um, caught some rays, and, you know, I, I'm looking pretty lobsterish right now as well. Um, you know, I, I got to um, hit the courts down there, um, you know, school some kids. Um, you know, my, my three-point shot was on, which I, I live and die for, you know, when I play. So, um, you know, it was a good time overall. Um, yeah, I, I always love getting paid to do nothing. So that, I think that's the, the biggest benefit of the weekend. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I always wanted to get down to, I, I know the Sixers always have, uh, a beach bash down in Avalon every summer. I don't know when it is this year, but, you know, I, I can't imagine Joel Embiid walking down the, the beaches of New Jersey, um, and, <laughs> and the kinds of looks that, that he'll get from, you know, the people in the area, um. But I, I believe you you were down there one year for, uh, you know, Carrie and Philadelphia. Yeah, I was. Uh, I believe it was it was when Doug Collins was still uh, still at the helm of the team. I think three, I want to say three years ago they had uh, Sad was down there and Lou Williams. Um, but, yeah, Joel down there would definitely be a sight to see. He seems like the type of guy that would, uh, you know, would really enjoy some, something like that. It was, uh, you know, my recollection of it, was you know it was a great opportunity for fans it was really open like the players were just kind of um it was, it was you know held outside so it was, it was open the players were kind of just hanging around like talking to fans walking up playing games you know tossing balls around signing autographs um i mean from a media perspective i didn't come away with any uh you know hard-hitting story or anything like that i got <laughs> to say you know i got to say what's up to said and ask him you know how he was you know how their players are enjoying the off season and, and you know any tidbits or what they're working on but uh overall it was just it was something really that i i took away i think that the gist of what i wrote for philadelphia at that time too was that 
you know, it was just a cool opportunity that the team kind of opened its doors up to the fans during during the off season when there's not too much going on. You know, in a setting that is kind of special to Philadelphia. You know, Philadelphia has a unique relationship with the Jersey Shore, as you know, a lot of people from the city have you know go out there and have places and vice versa. So I think they they did a good job of trying to expand you know expand the reach of the team from the you know the city all the way out to the shore. And you know there was a there was a decent amount of people there um, when I was there, and that was you know not at the height of the team. You know I, I would certainly argue that, that there's more interest surrounding the team now with all the young players and prospects than there was you know uh, a few years ago when they were kind of struggling in mediocrity mode. But uh, you know it drew a, it drew a decent crowd, and it's always nice to uh, be surrounded by Sixers fans. So I'll I'll be interested to see uh, you know when and where they have it again this year. Like you said, it would be uh, interesting to see who they send, and Joel would definitely be a, a prime candidate for something like that. Yeah, I mean, how does that guy even fit into a beach chair? You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think they make one for for seven footers, but um, you know, it, it would be a spectacle to see for sure. Um, I'm glad we've moved on from you know the Billy King era where the biggest moves you would see is Reggie Evans for, for Jason Capono. Um, you know, <laughs> there's little deals that didn't really do anything. Um, you know, signing Willie Green and Samuel down there to these, these big deals, you know, um, you know, it's, it's great that Sam is really gathering something here. And like you said, the fan interest is at an all time high. I'm sure that the Sixers could probably, you know, um, have their own section of one of the beaches um, with just a slew of fans this year, um, you know, depending on who they send out. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's it for uh, for the show today. Um, definitely try to to up the game in terms of episodes. Uh, we took a little – little break for a while, but with uh, the draft talk now in full swing and, um, you know, the potential free agency and everything like that, you know, I, I think we're going to bring this thing back to a bi-weekly thing here. Um, but, you know, for my myself and Mike, um, you know, we're out. We'll see you uh, probably in two weeks here and uh, have a lot more Sixers draft coverage for you. In 1982, Get on that road, they call 676 The most expensive, expensive piece of interstate They ever made a better same favors But they got the game Getting on 76ers Charles Bartley This Larry Bird